second doctor said the same thing. Oh, yeah, yeah you can go to any doctor. You have really large fibroids, and um, we believe that you have many, and you're going to need a hysterectomy. And can, did you, can you and tell that you had large fibroids? Like, did, were you feeling them? Like, well, how why did you, you ask about the symptoms? Yeah. So, a lot of times if the fibroids are small, mm-hmm. you won't have symptoms. Like, when I got diagnosed with fibroids, I didn't have any symptoms. I didn't even know I had them until the doctor told me. But depending on the location of the fibroid or whether it's on a stalk, mm-hmm. sometimes even if they're small, you can have symptoms. And the symptoms can be heavy bleeding, painful inter- intercourse, um, oh, blood clots. I would have blood clots, and I'm not exaggerating, literally the size of my hand. And I've talked to many women, and we all have that in common, the women I talk to, that you have a gigantic blood clot, and so you wear tampons. I was about to ask, like, how do you handle that? Multiple pads. And because this fibroid actually looks like a piece of, I'm not fibroid, the um, clot, blood clot, looks like a piece of liver. So it will slide past your tampon and your pads, because it's not porous, Mm -hmm. down your leg. And you have to literally, like, grab yourself and stop it from falling down and go to the bathroom. At any time. At any time. You'll be sitting, and you'll feel plop, and you, oh my gosh, a clot just came, and you got to try to get yourself to the bathroom. Wow. So yeah, those are the main symptoms, painful cramps, um, painful sex, long periods, really extended periods, sometimes that will go on for months, mm-hmm. anemia, um, and in rare cases, the anemia can lead to heart problems, which can lead to death. Wow. So is that why you created the F word? Because you want, because of your experience, basically? That's why I created the F word. I, when I was told that I had fibroids and that I needed a hysterectomy, I refused to get a hysterectomy. That's just the way my mother What is a hysterectomy? Hysterectomy. There are many. There's partial hysterectomy. There's a hysterectomy where they, um, it's like three or four different types of hysterectomy. I can't remember the names of all of them. But basically, it's when they remove your female organs mm-hmm. or your uterus. Um, sometimes they'll leave the cervix and the ovaries. Mm-hmm. A complete hysterectomy is when they take everything. Okay. So many times they'll just take the uterus, but they'll leave the ovaries and the cervix so that the women can still uh, produce some hormones. Okay. And so, and so after the doctors told me I needed a hysterectomy, I tried all types of holistic um, uh, treatments. I did acupuncture. I did acupressure. I did Chinese herbs. I did African herbs. Um, I did uh, even more intense vegan diet. I'm a vegan anyway. I did a non-hybrid di- diet. I did went to all kinds of different doctors, and four years later, I still had fibroids. And I ended up having a myomectomy, which leads to why I'm doing the movie. When I woke up from my myomectomy, and a myomectomy is when they remove the fibroids, mm-hmm. but leave your uterus intact. Okay. And so when I woke up from my myomectomy... Why didn't they, like, start with that one? Wouldn't right, they? especially when I asked them. The two doctors who told me I needed a hysterectomy, mm-hmm. I asked them point blank, is there any other treatment option other than a hysterectomy? I really don't want to, yeah. you know, lose my uterus. Is can I do anything else? And they both told me, no, you don't have any option other than a hysterectomy. Wow. And they knew about the other treatment options, which brings me to the fact that doctors do not have to tell you about a treatment option that they do not perform. Because okay. what a doctor performs is considered the gold standard, whatever it is. So they, they, they legally, mm-hmm. this is all legal, they don't have to tell you. They can know, but not have to tell you because they're 
they're doing the gold standard. Mm-hmm. And so they told me that I had no other treatment option. And so and they want that coin. Right. And so years later, I found out about the myomectomy. I had the myomectomy. And when I woke up um, in the um, uh, recovery room, my sister and my husband, they ran in there and they were like, you're not going to believe this. You're not going to believe this. When we were in the waiting room, this doctor came out and said to this woman that was sitting next to us, I'm so sorry. I know your sister was only 25 years old, but I had to give her a hysterectomy for a five-year last time. Wow. So that means she can't have kids or anything after exactly. that. Exactly. At 25. So immediately. So immediately I said, I'm doing a documentary. I'm doing a documentary after I finished Breakdown Crying. I just couldn't believe it. I said, I'm doing a documentary. And I had never even thought about doing documentaries before I'm an actress. You know, it wasn't even on my radar. But I just realized that this is happening all over the world. Yeah. And basically what happens is when you get a, a any type of procedure, like um, say even a myomectomy, for example, you have to sign a release. Mm-hmm. And the release says, and if you don't read the fine print, you won't know this, that they may have to convert your myomectomy to a hysterectomy to save your life. Oh. That's what they, you know. Mm-hmm. So, so if he was operating on this 25-year-old woman, for example, say she starts bleeding, mm-hmm. she starts hemorrhaging, they have a choice. Like my doctor... She said she'll stay in there up to 10 hours. She, she I, Her mission was to save a woman's uterus. Mm-hmm. If that's not your mission, hour one, hour two, you got another surgery. This is hypothetical, right? But I don't know what happened, but this could have happened. Mm-hmm. You got another surgery in two hours. Miss Thing is still bleeding. Let me just take it out because I got another surgery. Wow. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It could go something like that. You know? So you don't know. It's up to their discretion. And so it depends on, you know, the integrity of the doctor. Mm-hmm. Is it beyond uh, comprehension that a doctor might, you know, take out a woman's uterus because they got three more surgeries scheduled that day, which is three more whatever it costs for their surgeries that day, as opposed to staying in there with this one patient for six, seven, eight hours? Mm-hmm. I bet you some of them would just take it out. Do you, like, after doing, like, your research and everything for the documentary, do you feel that, um, like, female doctors were more sympathetic? No, the two women who told me I needed a hysterectomy Although were female. Wow. <laughs> and there's a monetary benefit, too. Mm-hmm. You know, because a myomectomy is very, um, it's labor-intensive, and also you have to be very skilled. Okay. You know, it's a very intricate surgery to try to remove the fibroids from the uterus. I actually filmed a doctor, Dr. Stanley West at um, St. Vincent's Hospital doing a myomectomy. Hysterectomy, it's a much easier procedure. Wow. And you can do more hysterectomies than um, uh, myomectomies in a day because the hysterectomy is faster. Mm -hmm. You know? Which which surgery costs more? Just the myomectomy? They actually cost about the same. My husband actually used to work for um, an insurance company. They Mm -hmm. cost about the same, but you can do more hysterectomies in a day. And get more money. So you end up getting more money. And then insurance companies prefer doctors give women hysterectomies because then they're done with women for the rest of their life. Wow. In terms of their female issues. Mm -hmm. They don't have to worry about them accidentally getting pregnant or getting pregnant on purpose or it's cancer or any other thing that could possibly happen. If it's gone, they're done. They don't have to come out of pocket again. That is so trifling. Yeah. What about like women, if you are pregnant, can you still get fibroids? 
Um, mm -hmm. you can you can have fibroids and get pregnant. Um, and I, it depends. There, I have friends who had fibroids and they got pregnant and they successfully had their their children. Mm -hmm. I've had some friends because of where the fibroid was located and it was competing for space with the baby that they actually lost the baby. My sister actually lost a baby because of fibroids. Mm. It was it just, they couldn't share the same space. So, but I don't know of anyone who didn't have fibroids, who got pregnant and then developed fibroids. Okay. What would probably happen is if you, you can have a fibroid really small, it could be the size of a pinpoint. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you get pregnant and your body's producing all this estrogen. And then that, that little tiny fibroid starts growing. So many women, when while they're pregnant, if they have fibroids, more times than not, their fibroids actually grow because of the estrogen they're producing while they're pregnant. And then sometimes after they have the baby, the fibroids will start shrinking. And sometimes they'll have a myomectomy after that, or sometimes it shrinks and they don't have any symptoms and they just leave it. Okay. And uh, like this, just like a background question, how long have you been vegan? I've been vegan um, off and on for... 30 years. Oh, wow. Often, yeah, I've been vegan, and I'll be pescatarian, then I'll be vegetarian, yeah. then I'll be strict vegan, then I'll be a raw vegan. Vegan-ish with me, then. Yeah. <laughs> Vegan-ish for years, but I've been straight vegan for a while, just strictly vegan. And sometimes I came off of it because I was having different conditions that a doctor was like, oh, it's because you need to eat meat, and I, didn't, I wanted to be open-minded and not, you know... That's before I really understood the um, the sanctity of life aspect of it, mm -hmm. you know. And I'm like, okay, I'll try a little animal protein in the form of fish in and see. And it never helped the condition. And mm -hmm. I was like, no, I'm just going to be vegan. Because you, know? you feel better than vegan, right? You feel amazing. You feel amazing. I'm 55 years old and I look 25. Y'all don't know. Y'all can't see me. But <laughs> she looks good. I have a vegan but, friend. Uh, his name is Maddie. Shout out to Maddie. He always says, um, "I feel sick all the time because <laughs> he's vegan." Yeah, so it never it never helped adding the, the the meat never. And I'm not one of these people that think everybody should be yeah, vegan, but it definitely works for me. Mm -hmm. It definitely works for me, and I just really am trying to learn more about the um, environmental aspect of it mm -hmm. and the um, ethical aspect yeah. of veganism. Mm -hmm. I want to get because now it's like a health thing for me yeah but I want to get more involved with that because when that's the reason why you're vegan you never stray mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying yeah but then stray. it's just like that's when it gets intense too right. now you have to worry about like your produce and yes. everything and, like the pesticides and all that stuff that's going on so yeah. you're gonna have to end up going to like co-op yeah. and spending more that's why I haven't done the, the research yet because I know <laughs> like you know you can't like, know it yes and then it's just like I'm gonna be broke trying to get these <laughs> organic strawberries but I only had um, asked about the veganism because I was doing my research again because I didn't really know what fibroids was. I just knew that black women were affected by it the most. Yeah. Nobody um, knows why that is. And that's what I was trying to figure out. And then I read, like, a couple of things. And it was saying how, like, diet, they noticed that people who ate, like, pork mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Let me find it on here really quick. I have definitely heard um, the any. – I've heard a lot of stuff about diet um, – being one of the contributing factors for um, yeah, fibroids. Yeah, hams. But, but then I didn't eat any of that. Yeah. So what the doctors did, the holistic doctors who had been touting that information, mm -hmm. when they met someone like me who was primarily vegan, and sometimes I would be pescatarian, they were like, oh, for you it's the soy. 
I've heard that too. Because soy has phytoestrogens. Mm-hmm. But then there's a whole bunch of research that says phytoestrogens is it does not contribute to your body producing estrogen, the hormone. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Everybody's body is different. Maybe some people are sensitive to phytoestrogens, mm-hmm. you know, but I would have to think that I, if that was part of the, I think like there's a whole bunch of things that contribute to fibroids. Oh, stress. Yeah. Big, big, big factor because stress makes the body produce hormones. Mm-hmm. One of them, estrogen. Um, and then if you are sensitive to estrogens, maybe phytoestrogens from something like processed soy. Yeah. Especially if it's not organic, mm-hmm. that could be something that contributes to it. And, um, and I think that was one of the things that contributed to mine. Because I was highly stressed at the time, and I was eating a ton of um, soy that was not organic. Oh, okay. Because obviously, yeah, I was looking at the list, and then like seeing you and listening to you, like speak, I'm like, I don't think she like fit. Most of these people want your vegan, and then the others as was like obesity or mm-hmm. two, three times higher. Like yeah. you're tiny, you look good, and it's just like. And the only thing is that, you know, you're black. Yeah. That was the only thing on the list that fit. That's what I was trying to, like, Yeah, understand. so that's, that's, the, that's the thing. Um, but I really think it was, it, you know, and uh, I don't know if you know about um, this woman, Christiane Northrup. Mm-hmm. Um, she wrote a book called Women's Bodies, Women's Wisdom. Um, she talks about relationship issues and unbirthed creativity being the spiritual mental components mm-hmm. to fibroids. Louise Hayes, who wrote this book called You Can Heal Your Life. She talks about, she gives anything that can happen, even stubbing your toe, and then we'll talk about the metaphysical, spiritual aspects of it. And That's she cool. talks about a blow to the female ego, which was interesting. I'm married, but at the time, right before I got fibroids, we had a serious, serious thing happen in our marriage. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh my gosh. And a lot of women that I talked to, it's, you're hard-pressed to find a woman you know, who hasn't had some kind of trauma yeah. or drama right. in their love life. So um, that's what she said, a blow to the female ego. And then um, a, a Chinese doctor told me it was a denial of the feminine self. Mm-hmm. And that's interesting because you always hear about strong black women. But what do you mean by like this denial? Denial of the, I don't know what she meant, but I just had to try to make it make sense for me. Mm-hmm. And immediately I thought about all the strong black women I know. Yeah. And to, you know what I'm saying? So that strength can sometimes be masculine in, in a certain way. Right. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And another holistic doctor said that they would like that if women, and it sounds sexist, but he was basically saying if a man did what a man was supposed to do and completely took care of his family, and all a woman had to do was tend to her kids, that women, black women wouldn't have fibroids. And I was, I was like, that's very an interesting concept. On one side, it sounds sexist. Yeah. But on the other side, I understand what he's saying in terms of you won't have any stress. Everything is taken care of. You don't have to worry about bills. You don't have to nothing. All you have to do is love on your kids. And so that's what his point was, that if you, that was the kind of life that women had, they would have no stress that would cause them to build up this estrogen that would cause fibroids. So I thought that was really interesting. That, that spoke to me. I was like, because I'm worried about money all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I'm married. I don't even have a, I'm not, I'm single. Yeah. And I have kids and I'm still stressed. Yeah. That. But like, I, I, did, I see what he means. But I, I got that. He's not a sexist. He's married to a beautiful um, sister. But I, I understood what he's saying. But, you know, I, 
from my observation of all of the women that I know with fibroids, we all have very similar personalities. Type A, strong, make things happen, fighting, struggling, gotta be. Yes. You know, sometimes we have to be, we don't think of it as masculine, but just... Because you just gotta do it. You just gotta do it. Who else is gonna do that it? Is, that is a fair, that's a common denominator. I can even do some acts, I can just even imitate uh, <laughs> women with fibrous personalities. They're all like... But that's what we need to find out. 
we're causes and we we gonna have to find out. Yeah, we I was looking at like I interview people and I notice things. I'm like, hmm, not even that. Okay, fibroid personality. I can meet somebody like, hmm, that's a fibroid waiting to happen if it hasn't happened yet. You know? <laughs> I don't know. Let me get my together. <laughs> but um, I kept doing more research because I'm just like, there has to be again, just trying to figure out like why like are women of color, black women affected the most? And like another research that um I did see it was um it was saying that um. Black women who, who use hair chemicals. Oh, I saw that too. Hair relaxers. Yeah. Well, intro. I, I I I didn't. I hadn't used a relaxer in many years before. Um, before I was diagnosed with fibroids, but I have used a re- relaxer in my lifetime. Yeah, for sure. And my best friend. So when I you don't know if she ever used a relaxer, she doesn't have fibroids either. She doesn't have fibroids. But, um, yeah, I used to, I didn't have relaxer. I'm not one of these chicks that, like, have soon, like, four years old, and your mama slap a relaxer in your oh, head because your hair too nappy. My mother was very pro-black and pro-African and pro-all of that. So I didn't get a relaxer until, like, after college. Oh, wow. Okay. So it was your choice. So it was definitely my choice. So I felt like since I didn't have relaxer in my system for billions of years, you know, you know, as many of us do, that that shouldn't have been the case with me. But mm-hmm. I definitely know the reason why I stopped is because the last touch-up I got, when I went home and went to the bathroom, I could smell the relaxer. And it wasn't even like... And we all know the smell. Yeah, I could smell it in the toilet. Yeah. And so I was like, that went through my system. I got to stop doing this. So I have to I have to find out if of all of the women that I've interviewed... Have, if, you know, black women, mm-hmm. have, have they had relaxer at least at some point in their life? Yeah. Probably. Now we get to know. Especially yeah, but I did this. see that study. Yeah. I did see that. How long ago um, did you go natural? Like, when was the last time you... I've had my locks for, like, 10, 11 years. Mm-hmm. And before that, I rocked a fro for, like, seven years. So, I've been natural over 20 years. And you have pretty long dreads, so your fro yeah. was the... How, Okay, I know this kind and of... And these are actually sister locks. What does that mean? Oh, do I you know what sister locks No. <laughs> wow. Okay, you can't really tell because if they're all braided up, I'm, I'm braiding one for you. But there's a sister. Her name is Dr. Cornwell, and mm-hmm. she's a professor. And many years ago, I want to say at least 20 years ago, she was trying to find out something to do with her hair. And what she did was designed this utensil that looks like a crochet needle, mm-hmm. and she started locking her hair. And she patented the the method, mm-hmm. and it's called sister locks because you know dreadlocks is like with a palm roll. Okay, and usually with dreadlocks you have to start with short hair, right? Or right. With okay. sister locks you can start at any length. You just have to cut the um, relax off, so you can grow, you know, enough length, like five six inches. I forgot how many, how many inches it is, and then you have um, the relaxer. Cut the relaxer off, mm-hmm. and then you can. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. With sister locks, you can actually do it with the relaxer on it. They just won't lock the part that's relaxed. So if you have like two inches of new growth and then three inches of relaxer, they can cut down like a couple of inches of the relaxer. Mm -hmm. You still have like an inch of relaxer and they'll lock it, but they'll only lock the part that's natural and then leave the ends loose. So kind of like it'll look like a goddess breed type thing. Right. Now, see, this is a sister lock. This is small. See how small my Oh, yeah. These are really tiny. And it's crocheted. So with these, would you be? Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. I know the difference. Now. I've seen those yes. before. Yeah, they're always thin, really? and they I look mean. like a crochet. They look like if you look at them closely, they those look like cool, they're crochet. Yeah. Would, they, would you I be able to take those apart, like dread, or just like, like dress? But you know, 
just how you would, you know how you would t- it takes like months yeah. to get dreads out your head? It's the same thing with this. It would probably take more if they're so tiny. I would think it would take even more. Yeah. Time. But you can do it. You can all, I've seen people on, on YouTube all the time taking them out. And it, months. Mm-hmm. It takes months. But yeah, I did sister locks because I wanted to not have to worry about my hair. It used to take me six hours to do my afro. Because I would have to braid it. Yeah. And so much thick, thick, thick hair. And then I would put straws at the end to make the end curl. Mm-hmm. And six hours later, I could, I could have been saving the world. I'm still trying to figure that out with my hair for, for freaking six hours. You know how much, many people I can help yeah. in the world? And every yeah. time I had an audition, it was like, oh, I got to do my hair. Six hours. Then so, if you forget I, all of these. <laughs> so I've been doing this for a while. And I like it because it looks like hair on camera. You can't even tell that locks on camera. Oh, wow. Yeah. And and it's a nice little curl pattern too with the braids, right? And, stuff. and then I just you, and supposedly you can straighten these, you can flat iron them, you can do anything that you would do to hair. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm not doing that. Yeah, yeah, pushing it. But that's supposed to be the selling point of it. But um, yeah, when I started the the F word, if you look at an old clip, if you go to YouTube and type in five word stories, mm-hmm. um, it was the first time we started taping, and I had sister lots of day like this long. <laughs> and I started with my hair this long, but once they crochet it up. Oh right. Okay, so yeah. it's like that was less less than half than the the regular length. So mine would be like a really really short curl. Yeah. I just I mean I've technically been natural for like years now, but um, I cut my hair like back when I was in college. But ever since then, I've only worn protective styles. Right. So I just even now I have a protective style, in, but just like moving to New York was like I. When I went vegan, at the same time I went natural. Right. And by natural, I mean actually taking care of my hair. Yes. And wearing my yes, hair. Yes, Because, yes, yes. like, I know you're still natural if you wear protective styles, but, like, I never took care of my hair. And I was kind of, like, I was one of those those girls, you know, I already explained before, like, I'm from Compton and stuff, and just, like, being there, like, if you didn't have long, pretty hair, yeah. like, back in the day, like, you either had braids or something, like, you didn't wear your hair out because you'll get talked about. So being there and just living like that, like I never, I didn't like my hair until college, and then that's when you know I'm a broke college student and I couldn't keep up with the weaves and stuff. Yeah. And then I was just like, f it. And then I just shaved my head with the Ivy plan, and like, and that's when I fell in love with my hair when I was bald headed looking in the mirror. So wow. Yeah. So wow. now I'm just I'm obsessed with my hair, and I, I wish someone would tell me my hair is like <laughs> I got bad hair or something, but yeah. um. Yeah, so um, again, I was doing a lot of research, and uh, one of the things that I did find, too, was like the, the economic challenges that women do face when they um, find out that they have fibroids. Mm-hmm. So with that is, um, I read an article where a woman, she was kind of like hesitant to even take care of it. Like she wanted to kind of wait longer mm-hmm. because like if she like do any surgery, like the weeks off of work and things right. like that, and you know, she had to take care of her kids and stuff like that so what do you like think about that like yeah i mean about the economic it, it makes sense that that would that would i mean first of all people who don't even have health insurance right. in the first place so they can't even be diagnosed with what fibroids to even know that they have to do anything about them and um i've had friends who've had fibroids and they had to wait for county to approve or for there to be space at county you know mm-hmm. and to be able to get them taken care of and i guess not have to pay for it because they didn't have insurance or i don't know whether they um, help them get medicaid or something but yeah fine you know um that would affect anything so it definitely would affect how you're able to receive health care 
No, definitely. And with that, though, like, if someone uh, were to have, like, the fibroids in which it, it grows and they look pregnant and things like that and they can't afford to do anything, like, what would happen to them? Do they just walk around with, like, a pregnant belly? Like, yeah. can they, can it harm them any more than that, though? Not usually. Like, I, I think earlier in the conversation I talked about how um, if it your can, fibroids can cause anemia. Yeah. Because if you if you have really long periods. Mm-hmm. But if someone is walking around and they have a nine-month um, belly from fibroids, but they're not bleeding constantly, mm-hmm. then they probably can just continue like that. I know when I interviewed one woman who had, she looked like she was nine months pregnant. And she had a hundred fibroids. Wow. I have to try and get in touch with her to let her know about the event tomorrow. But she had a um, hundred fibroids. She looked like she was nine months pregnant. And it was ten years before she found a doctor who would give her a myomectomy. Because all the doctors, of course, would say, you have too many fibroids. And we're going to have to do so much um, uh, surgery, cutting, um, cauterization, all that stuff. So they just want to do a hysterectomy. So, yeah. We, right. Because you're... Usually this is going to be of no use. It's going to be so scarred. Mm-hmm. And if for 10 years she walked around like that and she finally found a doctor who gave her a myomectomy. Wow. Yeah, so you can, yeah, I mean, if you can deal with the symptoms, and that's the thing too. Yeah. You know, when I first started the documentary, my stance was, this is genocide. They're taking our uterus. You know, they're trying to, I was there. Mm-hmm. But now, Nine, ten years later, and I'm re-interviewing some of the women that I interviewed nine years ago who had had a myomectomy or did uterine artery embolization. I'll explain what that is later or whatever, whatever treatment option they did back then. Fibroids will reoccur if you don't find out what's causing them in the first place. Mm-hmm. Just because you take them out doesn't mean they're gone because right. whatever caused them is still going on in your body. So you will get fibroids again. So many of the women that I interviewed years ago mm-hmm. have had hysterectomies because they came back, came back, came back, and they're like, I can't have a myomectomy or some type of procedure every two or three years. I can't have surgery every two or three years for these fibroids. I'm just going to end up letting them take. And so then I was like, wow, that just rocked my whole world. You know, because mm-hmm. that makes sense. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, you, I can understand someone saying, you know what, I'm going to have a hysterectomy rather than go through multiple surgeries and end up with a hysterectomy anyway. Yeah. So that just whole, that was like mind blowing because I had to come up off of my, they genocide, they trying to, they trying to kill us, they trying to give us these hysterectomies and we don't need hysterectomies. The doctor's point was, a myomectomy is a band-aid. But when they it's do, a, but my thing is, and I still stand with this, is give us the choice. Yeah. And for Let us. me decide whether I want the banding. Because if I'm able to have kids, right, maybe I can have two or three kids before I have to have my exactly. Let me make that decision. Mm-hmm. And with that, though, what I wanted to ask is that um, you said that it may come back if right. if you don't if you don't know the cause. Right. So when these doctors do like find out that like someone they have fibroids, do they try to figure out how they got fibroids, no. or are they just like let's just cut your numbers no. up? No, they say all doctors always say no one knows what causes fibroids, but they don't try to. We like, know they're sensitive to estrogen, but no, no. Why? I mean, why would they? Doctors are not generally into finding out causation. You're right. They're all about curing. 
let's they keep I'm on Duke University's um, stakeholders advisory committee. And what happened was two years ago, Duke University was given $20 million to study fibroids. Mm-hmm. And what they're doing is studying the treatment options for fibroids, right, the, the long term effects of the treatment options for fibroids, not the cause. That's interesting. We're going to have to do that. Or we just talk about it so much and we get so much media attention that it becomes a thing because it does affect white women also. Yeah. Women, just regular European white women. And that's what I was going to say earlier when, about my genocide thing. When I started meeting all these white women who had them too, I even interviewed this one doctor who wrote a book on um, hysterectomies. It was an anti-hysterectomy book. Mm-hmm. And when I went to his house to interview him, found out his wife had had a hysterectomy for fibroids. Wow. And he wrote an anti-hysterectomy book. So so his r- rationale was, oh, I just told him to take everything because we want to have to start worry about cancer later. But those are... But there's no connection between yeah. cancer. Right, because they try... That's what they say to many women in your... Women who are listening be like, uh huh, they told me that too. Nah, that's the first thing I read. That yeah. was non cancer. It's non cancer. But what doctors will do is say, you know, you have a lot of fibroids and, you know, they might it might be hiding cancer. Cancer might be hiding behind the fibroids. So, you know, let's just take everything out. That's ridiculous. So I asked him, is there a connection between fibroids and cancer? Do women who have fibroids more often have cancer? Is there any kind of thing that should make me worry about cancer when I have fibroids? The answer was no. Then why would I let you give me a hysterectomy? Right. That's ridiculous. Give me a lobotomy because they might be cancer hiding behind one of my lobe, my lobes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like it's the same. doesn't make any sense. But that's what doctors believe because that's what he did with his wife. He said if, if, if it's gone, you never have to worry about cancer. I don't know if cancer ran in her family. I don't know what the situation was. He didn't explain that. Mm-hmm. But I did yeah. read too that if you're like mom... If they if she has that fibroids, yeah, then it's like a like seventy to like eighty ninety percent chance that yeah. you're gonna get yeah. fibroids, which makes sense. Most you know mm-hmm. diabetes, high blood pressure, yeah. rising cancer, all of that has you know is genetic. Mm-hmm. But what I've always been told, and what I really believe, is just because you have a genetic dispos- predisposition, a genetic predisposition does not mean you necessarily get that thing. Mm-hmm. It just means it's there. But if you do the things to bring it out, like somebody said recently, there are black people in high blood pressure, that it's, that it's not the genes, it's the diet. Yeah. They say diet is usually like yeah. the, the start of all of the problems right. when it comes to black women. It's right. always diet. Exactly. So if we have this uh, genetic predisposition for fibroids and then we're doing things to bring it out, but we don't know what we're doing to bring it out. Because no one's researching right. it. Right. And then I think about Dr. You know Dr. Joyce Degree? Yeah. Oh, gosh. I, I'm not even pronouncing her right now. It's, her last name right is D. I, I got to look it up. Anyway, she has this um, speech that she does on post-traumatic uh, slave syndrome. Tell me more. Post-traumatic slave syndrome. Makes complete sense. So what is that? Can you sum it up for me? Like, kind of like post-traumatic stress syndrome is like after a stressful um, event, mm-hmm. you have a, a, there's an effect on you. Right. She was saying, after slavery, well, who, did we have therapists? Oh, yeah, yeah. Tell us, black people, about your, your experience with slavery. How y'all feeling? No. 
So all of that stuff has been going on for generations and passed on to my genetic, Mm -hmm. right? To my genes. Talk about, you know, been passed on. That the mental stuff has been passed on. All of that has been passed on. So a lot of that stuff can be linked directly back to our slave experience. It's a beautiful lecture. It's a beautiful lecture. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, that could be part of it. I'm thinking about, you know, my ancestors being on a plantation and you can't say no to Massa and he's having sex with you and you have yeah. no control at all over anything. That being in your DNA. And you and can have it. that down. And then the trigger being stress for us, you know? Because we don't know. And like, what that, yeah. Because now, like, even, like, when you're saying that, too, it, it makes sense. Because, again, I grew up in Compton. Mm-hmm. And if you think about, like, slavery back in the day, like, and then you go to the hood, you see it's it's still here. Right. Like, you still see the same thing. Like, these people are just yeah just getting by. Yeah. Because we don't, they don't, they were never educated on. Because then, and then also you got to think about it, too, because, like, all the older women that are in the hoods now are, probably are normally, like, products of, like, the crack epidemic as well. Right. So, you know, and that, that came to ruin blacks anyway. So it's just, like, we're still in slavery. Like, they're still, mm-hmm. they're still controlling us. Because right. everyone, not everyone in the hood, or I'm not saying every black person mm-hmm. is the same, of course, but there's a majority of black people who have that, still have that slave mentality and Absolutely. pass it down. Pass it, pass it, down, it right on down. So I, I see what you mean. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's on YouTube, um, that lecture. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's basically, I think she's a, a social worker and she goes to different big companies and she does lectures on diversity and stuff, mm-hmm. on racism, you know, and um, really educates people. But yeah, and that's definitely a thing. I think about, you know, our people all the time and why we do what we do and how we respond. Yeah, we respond to. We never got to work out our stuff. Never. Never. Now it's and even it. white people. Nobody came to them and said, you know, why, you know, want to talk about the fact that you were lynching people and put them with it. Nobody. So everybody is just in this dis-ease, mental dis-ease, keeping it moving. And the world is what the world is. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. That is crazy. Something to think about. Mm-hmm. I need to write that down for this. I need for to sure. do some more research on that. Um, but, all right, let's go back to the uh, doctors. Because I read something interesting, too, that um, a lot of, like, this one was, like, focusing on African-American women mm-hmm. and fibroids. And it said that, like, 44% of black women, they had to visit at least two doctors before they were even told that they had fibroids. Hmm, so, yeah, so I don't know if you know that's anything about that. No, because it's so easy to diagnose. Yeah, that's why, I, yeah, because after you explain yeah, all this, that's so why it's easy to diagnose. Like, yeah, so I don't, I don't know. I mean, unless if you're in a poor neighborhood, you got doctors that suck and they like, can't even diagnose a fibroid. <laughs> <laughs> I've had friends who've been diagnosed with fibroids and they don't even have fibroids. They find out <laughs> later that they have adenomyosis or that they're pregnant or, you know, but, um, yeah, I don't know why that was. That would be unless it's just poor neighborhood, poor doctor. That probably care. exactly what it is. Yeah. Because I'm again, I'm in the poor neighborhood, and I remember I had it wasn't like fibers. I had an allergic reaction. Mm-hmm. My face was like as big as a balloon. I could barely open my eyes. My skin was sandy. Mm-hmm. And I walk into the hospital. I didn't have health insurance. Mm-hmm. I think it was like eighteen, nineteen at the time. Probably twenty. And um, no, I was like seventeen or eighteen. But I went to the hospital because like my face looks like this and I don't know I knew it was allergic reaction actually because it happened before Mm -hmm. so but when I did go the initial time the first time 
I went and then of course I sat in the, the waiting room for about like 10, 12 hours. And then when they did see me, they just gave me some steroids and was like, peace out. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm just like sitting here like, are you going to help me figure out what did this so I cannot, you know, do this again? They are not in the cause business. Yeah, they was just like, here's your pills. Bye. Only doctor I know, and I'm sure there are others, um, but off the top of my head is Dr. Oz. Oz. He'll tell you, if you eat like this, if you do this, you won't have to come see me. But he got a show. Yeah. So he don't need the money. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you were talking about um, your event tomorrow. So oh, go, yes. Go details about that. Yes. We're having an event tomorrow, an intimate evening with Sonia Sanchez benefiting the F word. And Sonia Sanchez is an amazing poet, lecturer, professor, civil rights activist, human being. And she's going to be um, blessing us with some of her poetry. Okay. Also sharing her fibroid story. And really encouraging people to contribute to the film because we um, are ninety percent done. Mm-hmm. A few more things that we need to film, and then we also want to do post production. We have to do post production, so that's you know color correction, sound editing, and all of that stuff. So we uh, we're gonna raise the money to uh, finish the film, and Sonia Sanchez has agreed to lend us her her talent and her her fierceness uh, for this event tomorrow. So I'm so excited because every time I hear her speak, she's amazing. And she's actually a family friend. She was uh, one of my mother's best friends. Mm-hmm. And that's why she agreed to, to do this for us tomorrow. So it's going to be an amazing event. And um, you can get tickets on Eventbrite. Okay, and because um, um, this podcast will come out tomorrow morning. Oh, great. So when um, when's the latest they can buy tickets? Like if you're in the New York City area. New York City area, you can actually go into Eventbrite, just type in Sonia Sanchez, and it'll pop up an intimate even with Sonia Sanchez benefiting the F word. And what's or you can start? pay at the door. It starts at 7 p.m. Okay, if you can pay at the door. And you can also pay at the door. Cool. Yeah. Perfect. That's what I was wondering. Like, I know Eventbrite, there's like a time limit on there. Yeah. It's like the latest you can buy. Oh, really? It's usually like... Like, if the events start, like, at 7, usually about, like, an hour or two oh, hours okay. before, you can't buy tickets, but I'm not sure, like, if you set that up or if it's in, in an event, right? Oh, I don't know. I gotta look. And I'm yeah. gonna get the address, too, while we're talking, and I'll read the address of where it's gonna be. Okay. Um, And it's $25 for tickets and uh, $45 at the door. Okay, cool. So they can expect, like, poetry and stuff from... Poetry, and um, and... a woman, uh, Robin Green Arrington, a sister who's vice president of programming at TV One. Okay. Um, she's going to be giving her fibroid experience. I interviewed her um, nine years ago, and then we, we interviewed her recently, and she had to have a hysterectomy because the fibroids keep coming back. And wow. it started causing other health problems. Sometimes fibroids can um, lean on a nerve mm-hmm. and can cause... Um, Wait, did she get a hysterectomy, though? She just recently had a hysterectomy. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was about to say, it was coming back after the hysterectomy? Yeah, no. And so what happens is the fiber would lean on a nerve and then um, cut off the blood and then it can swell and just Mm -hmm. can cause a a number of issues. And so many women, you know, eventually end up having a hysterectomy anyway. So the address is 455 East 118th Street, 455. East 118th Street, Street, Suite 5E, 455 East 118th Street, Suite 5E. And I'll have all that in the um, description box, so if you are interested in going, you can definitely, I'll put the link there and everything, so just like send it to me. And um, so for your your documentary, The F Word, this was like created over a span of like 10 years? Almost, yeah, almost 10 years. I started in 2000, this is 2016, Um, I started like nine years ago. 
Wow. Yeah. And let me know when you're done and um, when when it comes out and everything's like tell everyone because I'm excited. The original title was The Stranger Within Five Word Stories, but we but we changed it to the F word. Um, but if you go to YouTube and you type in five word stories, it'll say um, Sean Wilson, Ronda Ross, Beverly Johnson, mm-hmm. five word stories. Beautiful. All right. Do you have any last little thing you want to say on five No, words? just come on out and um, hear Sister right. Sonia do her poetry yes. and contribute to making this um, film, uh, to help us complete the film. Yeah, we would just appreciate your support. And there will be refreshments. I know you yes. got to say that to get some people to yes, come out. Yes, yes, No, we're going to have food. There'll be food we're and drink. Oh, so you got to Vegan food, food and non-vegan food. So, yes, everyone, come. If you're in the New York City, tri-state area, if you just come to Harlem and, you know, visit. Um, so, now it's going to be time to get into our Lemonade Pick of the Week. And um, this week, I wanted to give it to Leslie Jones. Because as we all probably heard, um, she's the comedian, actress, and she was in the, the newest Ghostbusters uh, movie with a whole bunch of other women. It's like the women version of Ghostbusters. Um, but recently, I'm not sure exactly when, it was like within this past week, she's been getting all kinds of like vicious tweets, basically people calling her, you know, a whole bunch of racist like slurs. The worst one, the most disgusting one that I've, uh, I read was like some person sent her a picture of her with like their semen on it, basically. They jacked off her picture and, like, sent it to her, calling her, like, a monkey. Like, she got, she experienced a lot. Mm-hmm. And um, the reason why I wanted to make her a lemonade pick of the week, not because she experienced that, it was just because her reaction to it, I thought was dope. Um, she said that, basically, it wasn't really the insults that offended her because, you know, she get them all the time. So she's used to it, which I think sucks. But, mm-hmm. like, as a black woman, we do. Mm-hmm. We do experience those those insults. So I, I can relate to that. But she was just saying how what um, basically hurt her the most was that, like, people, like, there was no injustice mm-hmm. in all caps. Yeah, injustice is the problem that we're all facing. That's why I hope, like, you know, not to take off topic of the black, black Lives Matter, y'all. But the injustice of these people um, that were going on and on Twitter and, like, basically being disgusting towards her. Mm-hmm. And um, she put out a little quote the other day, and she said, I need everyone to know that I've been through enough in my life. Nothing will nothing will stop me, especially hate. I am a warrior. Don't forget that. So I thought that was dope, um, just because I'm sure all those people that were coming at her were all lives matter. So um, this is something that we all should be fighting anyway, just, you know, as... Just because she's, you know, she's a black woman in the movies and she shouldn't have to go through this just because she's a black woman in these movies. Shout out to you, Leslie Jones. Um, stay black <laughs> and stay wonderful. And also, this kind of made me want to start a new segment, which is called Love a Black Girl, uh, just because of Leslie Jones' experience. And I know many black women experience things like this, um, saying things like you're pretty for a black girl and things like that, um, being told that you aren't as cute because your skin color. Um, so I wanted to um, start the segment and basically have a woman express why they love, what they love about being a black woman, or if you're a man or if you're a woman, if you want to say what you love about a black woman, just kind of express that to, you know, show that there is love for black women. So, Sean, what do you love about being a black woman? Oh, my God. I, I could just go on and Right. On. <laughs> I was at an event yesterday, and um, there was African dancers and, and like, an African ritual sister got up and did this poet poem on black girl magic and i just i can't even pinpoint what i love our strength we just just everything we do 
we do it Serena Williams, you know, the, you know, when we sing, when we act, when we dance, when we invent things, when we, we just do it with such a flair. And all of our experiences as a people is reflected in whatever we tackle. And we just are bad people. Yeah. And whenever I'm around us, I'm just, I'm so happy I'm black. We just, we just, yes. Ooh, I just, I just, I don't know. I just, I just love us. Yeah. And it's, I just, love I do. Us. I do too. I, that's funny you said that because I was out with Rhonda and Maine. It was like, it was uh, um, us two and like the band. And we were talking about um, like movies and stuff. And I'm just like out on the outside, you know, just observing because I, I kind of didn't know. I couldn't really speak on what they were talking about. So I was just watching how like just the laughter and just how like everyone bonded on mm-hmm. one little, it was like a simple little gesture. Mm-hmm. Like the way a guy held a cup in the movie. Yeah. And like everyone is just cracking up, <laughs> like creating like music, like making like, it was just, it blew yeah, my mind. And I'm just like. And that's why people always steal from us. Yeah. And that's why we're feared. And that's why we, we're considered a threat because everything we do, I love these new posts about what would America be like if black people left. <laughs> I know that. I see one. Yeah. You just, we just do every, and I think it all comes out of our struggles and our challenges. Because mm-hmm. even back then, when you challenge, it just makes you dope. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And what did Jesse Williams say? Just because we are magic, it does not mean that we're not real. That's right. So get with it. That's guys. right. Thank and you. I just, want, before we end, just want to thank my um, co-producers, Roderick Giles and Rhonda Ross. Yes. And Amelia Winfrey, Sean Rhea, Donna Wilson for really just being there and supporting and promoting the F word. Beautiful. And where can like people find you online, like your Instagram and Facebook and all that? Oh, yes. Um, on uh, Facebook, I have a Facebook page, the F word. Mm-hmm. And uh, Instagram, I'm also a vegan baker. So mama aunties on Instagram. Yes. And, um, and then you can also uh, email me at fibroidstories at gmail.com. Fibroidstories, F-I-B-R-O-I-D stories at gmail.com. Will people be able to, like, send their fibroid stories to that, that email? That would be amazing. Beautiful. Thank you be. so much Thank for so joining much. me. I, oh, I can't me. express how much I appreciate this. Um, again, as always, if you do want to find me, I'm at um, underscore smanchy, S-M-A-N-G-I-E-E on everything. So that's... Um, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all that jazz. And thank you guys again for listening. Yeah, if you, again, like what you hear, and if you want, just spread the word. Basically, if you like it, just share, and just tell another person that you think will benefit from it. And again, thank you. I appreciate you listeners for everything. Thank you. But no. Somebody told me I'm the bottom of the barrel, the bottom of the barrel, the bottom of the barrel. Black, black and female, so of course they won't hear you. Of course they, of course they won't hear you. Of course they won't hear you. Won't hear you.